0: my goodness, we've got guests. You know what that means. It's another Masterclass episode on Studio Class. I am just tickled pink to welcome Francesca Mondanero to the Studio Class Masterclass episodes today. Divas, you are gonna love this conversation. Francesca is such a gem and I As you'll hear in this episode, I thought of her from the very beginning when I started doing these interview episodes because she has been an amazing vocalist um, singing all sorts of music, but a totally unique instrument who has made her own way, made her own stunning career through the profession, as well as developing an incredibly powerful voice studio. So, as I mentioned, she's, she's had... a busy, busy professional life with singing at opera companies such as Deutsche Oper, uh, Baltimore Opera, Sarasota Opera, uh, Baltimore Concert Opera, all sorts of places. And as I mentioned, one of the things that I really love is that she teaches voice now in a way that is so focused on the whole person, the whole human. And I think you'll really get that in this episode. So Without going on and on and gushing and fangirling anymore, I'm going to bring you this Masterclass episode with Francesca (laughs) Mondanero. Francesca, welcome to studio class. I am so thrilled that you are doing a Masterclass episode with me. I know that this has been like in the works for some time, but you were one of the first people that I thought of when I wanted to do Masterclass episodes because... I think the world of you as an artist, uh, you know, as an artist, musician, as a Thank teacher, you. as a person. So welcome, and Thank I'm you, hoping Megan. that you can just kind of kick it off and tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, first of all, before
1: I request your services, is my PR manager, um, <laughs> maybe Mayenta. So uh, to make a quick introduction for those of you that have not known me or are not familiar with my work, the long the, the long story made short is that I'm a Verdi soprano, a dramatic soprano. I started with my studies in the Curtis Institute of Music and I'm sort of the poster child for um, how you have a career outside of the industry expectations. I went through five voice teachers, only the last one really knew what to do with me. I graduated. <laughs> I moved to New York and we all know that the only thing that outnumbers water bugs in New York is Sopranos. So I
0: moved <laughs> to Sopranos in New
1: York and had to do day jobs and you know, gave up singing approximately seven to eight times. Right. I sang, and then I, I was always singing on the smaller to mid regional level, a couple of gigs a year. I decided I wanted to figure out my voice for me because I felt like I still had something to say. And then relatively late, in my mid to late 30s, actually is when I had a second win to my career. I ended up moving to Germany. I had three or four seasons at Deutsche Oper, um, primarily guest contracting for all those kinds of roles that everybody else is too scared to sing, like Abigail <laughs> and and Megan, you and I know each other from like the Baltimore area, and I got to sing. Abigail with, um, you know, Maryland, um, uh, Baltimore Opera as basically a complete unknown, and that sort of, you know, started the second wind, and over the seasons, the things started happening where my own colleagues started coming to me to ask me vocal advice, mm-hmm. and started asking to go into rooms and work things out, and this one was sick and freaking out about opening night, and this one was a baritone who thought it might be a tenor. And could I come in and listen? And from a very natural, organic place, my teaching career started. It kind of landed in my lap, um, which made perfect sense for somebody who was obsessed about technique from a very personal and emotional place. And, you know, fast forward to the past couple of years, I'm now based back in the United States and I've really embraced this new chapter that I'm in where I'm primarily a voice teacher first. It's actually my first passion. Um, I feel like it's really truly my calling and I still sing, I still have gigs coming up, but I'm in a place in my life where I'm interested in making art with other artist, creative colleagues who I admire and I'm interested in doing things that are unique and special and have some more um, emotional, artistic gravitas and risk-taking behind them. So I am, a, I am a voice teacher that still sings and I'm spoiled. My co- my colleagues come to me. I started with Broadway singers and dancers that had to learn how to not lock when they needed to belt on Broadway and you know, aspiring and working opera, opera singing professionals. So. I teach online, especially during COVID. I teach here in New York and Brooklyn. And next month I'm gonna start going down once a month to Philadelphia. So the studio is we're in flux and we're growing and changing. And that's sort of the Cliff Notes version of my of my journey as a as a multi-talented, multi-directional career creative person.
0: Definitely. Oh, cool. I love that. I think. I love to hear that the studio is growing like that. And also it's mirroring your growth as a, you know, as an artist, as a teacher, as a holistic creative in the world, which is, which is really beautiful. I think as both you and I feel, sometimes we get too, too, we get information where we're supposed to stay in a box or something like that. Supposed to only think of ourselves as I was just in a conversation with some friends about uh, jack of all trades, master of none, being mm-hmm. such a, a bugaboo that followed us. And then yes. it turned out to be th- this benefit to our lives and our careers. I wonder if you feel the same way. I do. And I mean,
1: uh, you and I were just talking about this before we started recording that, you know, when it comes, when it comes for anybody that's watching that's in conservatory right now, or in the middle of YAPS, or they're on YAP track, or they're starting to audition, the industry the formality of the formal opera industry the industry that's built around a the more formal art form it's not the same machine or animal that it was when I went to school Mm -hmm. and especially for the generation now that needs to be the CEO of their own company and their own branding uh, manager and their own producer and their own regular manager and their own social media producer, it's very, very easy to get caught up in shoulds and shouldn'ts and rules. Um, And I think that can be very, very dangerous because the industry itself right now doesn't even know what it wants to be, as politically incorrect as that might be for me to say. But I can say from my own personal experience, if I listened to the rules or what I should have done, you and I wouldn't be talking right now. I would be a very clinically depressed, overpaid uh, personal assistant at a Swiss bank right now. Mm-hmm. Same, same. No, it <laughs> never would have happened. And one of the other things that I, I say to like the young artists that I work with, Um, for instance, when I go to Vancouver opera, I get to do like a whole three, four hour group class with them all about the business and how you take care of yourself in the business. Um, not just working with their voices vocally. And I take, of taking this out to other universities as well. Creative as woo-woo as the sounds, creative energy by its very nature is non-linear. It is impossible Mm -hmm to be an artistic creative person and fit into any box. Yes, okay. right. So you, your responsibility is towards the gift that you've been given and the gift that you've been given and the, that soul bone aching yearning need to express yourself through the gifts that you've been given are going to pull you in a certain direction. And even you don't know at this point where it's gonna take you. Mm-hmm. And for some people there's no rhyme and reason to it. You know what I mean? So your primary, your primary responsibility is towards the relationship that you have if you're a singer to your voice, if you're a painter to your tools and your vision, you know, mm-hmm. that's the most important relationship that you're going to have. And how that dovetails or fits into the more formal boxes of industry where your audience finds you where your tribe finds you that's actually a byproduct to you taking yourself 150 percent seriously
0: oh 100 percent yeah yeah
1: nobody gets to tell you
0: nobody
1: outside of yourself gets to tell you whether you're a real artist or not because you followed a certain track and now that i've been around for half a minute all of my colleagues that I went to school with, there's no rhyme or reason to how they ended up performing at the places that they are today. Yep. Yep. And, you know, and that's, you know, not to tangentialize, but also for people that are younger now, take some pressure off because what you want at 38 or 48 is not necessarily what you think you want now at 28 but nobody gets to. to make that decision for you except yourself that's your relationship to your soul and you know your your creative voice if you're following your creative inclination and your passion and what gives you fire in the belly you cannot go wrong
0: yeah but
1: where it ends up landing and how it ends up changing it's almost not up to you it's right. And it's not making excuses, you know what I mean? And we're dealing with an industry that's kind of going through an identity crisis itself. So don't sit around and wait for other people to tell you who you are.
0: Especially as you're saying with this industry, with with kind of our classical music industry writ large, going through this identity crisis, it absolutely needs you to be the most passionate, artistic, creative version of yourself to bring your vision to it right? If you, you know, jumping into that field, like it absolutely needs everything that you can bring to it rather than saying, well, I better wash away every individualistic part of me and just fit this mold that doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And that's, I think that's a tough,
1: it's a really tricky, um, bridge to cross, especially for singers that are in school in conservatory in young artist programs because what happens is there's there's this dynamic that gets built of people pleasing
2: mm-hmm.
1: where That's I right. need to please my teacher, I need to please my coaches, right? Yes. There's this fine line that gets crossed between I'm I'm I've been accused of not being fancy enough, but I like to keep it real. You Are spending tens of thousands of dollars. You've taken tens of thousands of dollars out in loans to work with these people. You just bought these people. These professors are working for you. It's their job to give you the tools that you need to take your creative gift as far as you can possibly go. There's a very, very fine line between having the humility that many masters do, like we. We say, you know, you always keep the beginner's mind, and give 150 percent, and be humble, and be open, work as hard as you can. There is a very fine line between that and then tipping over into losing your own voice.
0: Yes, losing that sense of self for yes. other. Yep, mm-hmm. losing a sense
1: of ownership over what it is that you have to say. And the people that make it, whatever making it means, they have a very, regardless of whether you like their singing or the timbre of their voice or not, or you like the teacher that they're working with, they know who they are. They don't apologize for themselves. Exactly. You have to teach people who you are. And a a lot of young artists or aspiring professionals in my studio, it's been fascinating because you almost I'm finding that their ability to hold on to technique is very directly um, connected to a sense of apologizing while for themselves while they're singing it actually shows up in the vocal pedagogy of their
0: singing Uh, oh my gosh yes so So true yeah.
1: So sometimes I'll talk about a need you to lean and sing out Louise, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then sometimes I'll have to say, Can you can you look at me and tell me to like F off? Can you think of the last person that made you feel bad about your singing and tell me exactly what you think of them?
2: Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. they
1: lean and then I've got twice as much sound coming out of their face and the larynx is not in the nose anymore. I mean yep this is this is intimate work but it's always it's the ones that want it the most that have just let go of that are just coming out of you know what i mean the track yeah. that need a little uh um they need a little emotional rehabilitation it's it's been very very fascinating over the past yeah. two to work with that with that type of singing client
0: definitely. oh yeah yeah uh, it's so, so fascinating. Well, Francesca, I'm going to, we're going to come back to a technical question in just a yes. moment, but I usually start our masterclass episodes by asking, and I think that these kind of go together, but yeah. I ask, you know, what's an intention that you're keeping for yourself right now? Mm, yes. And I feel like this goes in lots of different directions. So you can answer that question, however it strikes you. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because I,
1: hmm,
0: I. I've been
1: thinking about this, my own relationship to the industry, how I've always been an outlier, you know, how I've always sort of like had one foot in and one foot out and yet blessedly and gratefully maintained a very passionate audience that has kind of like followed me around. And a part of it is my age, I'm 48, you know, I'm closer to 50 than 40. And I find it very refreshing to not constantly say I'm still 35. I mean, yeah. you know, as, far as like keeping it real. I'd like to be an example of who you really can be and what you can really accomplish, you know, after your 30th birthday in this industry, number one. But I was thinking about this a lot as a teacher. And for me, it's about um, can I be as real and authentic as possible in everything that I'm doing as a teacher? I was always able to do it as a singer once I was on stage.
2: Yep.
1: I did not know how to schmooze. I didn't know how to be fancy. There was a certain expectation of being a certain type of diva, especially when you sing certain roles. And I would either hide you know, behind the bartender at the opening night, or find the one nice person and then have a Vulcan death grip on them. You know? <laughs> um, there's a, There was a certain way of managing a certain, um, not to woo woo, more surface way of connecting that I just, I never learned how to do. Mm-hmm. And what I learned mm-hmm. was what we opened with, which is how about at 48 years old, I give my myself permission to be all of myself.
2: Yes. Yes. because if
1: I'm being all of myself and I'm giving you 150 percent as my student you're gonna get everything that you need as a colleague you're gonna get everything that you need as an audience member you're gonna you're gonna get a you're gonna get everything yeah and why is that a bad thing you mm-hmm. know um that's very very important to me at this point in my life as a woman
2: yeah.
1: and in my own creative journey I mean, I believe in our art form, it's the most honorable, noble way to communicate. It's all about emotions and feelings and, and communication. Yeah. And it's not, um, it doesn't make our art form cheesy to talk about feelings no. that's why people show up that's why yes. people, people spend money that they don't have on <laughs> ticket they're coming with their hearts open with an expectation of feeling something and we as singers are sort of like the we're the catalysts for that you know we're yep. kind of like the union archetype you know what I yep. mean? That you mean yeah. kind of like plug into so why, why apologize for being a big personality or having a big voice or being opinionated, whatever whatever that is, right. very, very important to me. And what's fascinating is that now, you know, in my, in my midlife, giving myself permission to be all of me and reconnecting with the industry post COVID as a teacher slash performer there are colleagues that I haven't talked to in years that are reaching out and I can't help but feel like it's because there's something in my own energy. that's changed. So for anybody that's watching, use me, use my example as a permission to not apologize for yourself and be all of yourself, you know,
0: definitely. And Francesca, I would, I don't know if you vibe with this or not, but I think that that also takes a lot of self-love to get to that place. Because being able to say I'm like I'm enough but I'm also not too much right just saying I'm enough and this love that comes with that is a place you got to get to sometimes you know yes it absolutely is and I
1: think for a lot of very dedicated musicians and artists again it's this fine line you know people who are hungry, you know what I mean, who really have something to say, who are very, very driven in wanting to master and wanting to work hard can very often tip over into like self berating, comparing comparing yourself to where somebody else is in their career, comparing your music if you're a composer to somebody else's music, comparing the timbre of your voice to somebody else's voice, it's dangerous and it only ends up with you losing out. That's a battle that you're never, ever going to win. No. You know? <laughs> and, you know, I'm an open enough person to say that, I, you know, I had a voice, I have a voice that either people have a, a very visceral reaction to, like rending garments and crying on my shoulder when they come and see me after the show is over. Or people who find the very sound of my voice, like personally offensive. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, I know I, you're I, not, but still, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's crazy, but it happens. But it happens if you're unique and you're not cookie cutter. And when I was in school, all I wanted was a pretty voice, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I personally was obsessed with Maria Collis, but I didn't want to be Maria. I want to sound like Renee Fleming because all of my girlfriends in school sounded like Renee Fleming and pretty, and gorgeous, and they were getting all the competitions, and they were, you know, getting hired, and managers, and I, I, I b- believed from, a, from about eight, 1820 to about 35, that I had an ugly voice, that's what I believe. Wow. I could not make peace with my own instrument, and I remember the mentor that I had in school saying, well, why do you want to be Renee, when everybody else is like, Renee, why don't you, you know, yeah. if you're maria callas why can't you be like why can't you be a maria i'm not saying that i'm maria Collis, don't No, but me. also
0: it's the if you if you keep trying to be somebody else instead of be francesca be megan be your that's right be who you are because like coming back to it the world needs you the world has these other absolutely. ones you know so you got to show up with the thing that is so uniquely unique you. about
1: you absolutely
0: mm-hmm. and yep.
1: I, and it's almost like another way that I try to say it to my to my students is that your audience is looking for you. They need you. Mm-hmm. They just haven't found you yet. So how are they going to find you if you're trying to sound like or sing like or compose like or play like somebody else?
0: Yeah. Yeah. How are they going to find you if you're yeah. the one hiding? Right. They cannot hide. Mm-hmm. And there's something that's very
1: arresting about an artist that's willing to be vulnerable everybody's looking for honesty you know what I mean Mm -hmm. an audience an audience member might not have the technical acumen to know why they're getting schnookered but they can feel when they're getting schnookered yep yep (laughs) they know when somebody's just phoning it in yeah they know it'll leave them cold because there's nowhere for them to emotionally into your performance. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yes. And so the the greatest gift that you could give your your audience members is to be the most of you, because there's only one of you in the entire universe, and you were gifted with something that nobody else
0: has. You know, yeah. whatever that is. You yeah. know what I mean? Definitely. Definitely.
1: But you're right. It does take a lot of self-love and self-acceptance and being proud of what it is that you have to offer. And that's something that, again, unfortunately can sometimes get lost within like the educational system and the YAP system and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's good to remind yourself, have a list of what you feel makes you you, that you feel that nobody else has and nobody else can do. And that's what you literally... Own in on yeah, for your yeah. auditions when you go sing and don't apologize for it.
0: Yeah, no, there's and there's also a difference between achievement, like so. There's there's achieving your goals and there's also having vision and like yes. finding where that that sweet spot for you. Absolutely, is is becoming the artist is becoming the musician. You know, so yes, you know, I think there's that striving that we have when we're younger for achievement, and yes. then we think, oh, okay, if I just get rid of this, then then I'll achieve rather yes. than realizing that actually the thing that I'm wanting is to achieve, but also have this this vision and get to see my artistic output in the world. Yes. So. It's very, so interesting because I lived this life where
1: I sort of saw things from two ends of the spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. And again, everybody's journey is different, but like I said, now, now that I've been half, around for half a minute, the getting, this is so woo, but the getting something that is outside of yourself Mm-hmm. has more to do with the feeling that you think getting that achievement is going to net you.
0: Mm, say it again. Say it again. Honestly. Like... <laughs> so
1: in all things in life, okay, whether it's about an artistic achievement, a life achievement, mm-hmm. What do I think losing 45 pounds that I want to lose after COVID is Mm -hmm. and fitting into my size 10 gap jeans from 1989? What do I think that's (laughs) going to net me, okay? What do do I think my, and where I am in my life right now, what do I think, um, you know, having a certain number of students every year and, you know, an adjunct position Mm -hmm. at a school that I respect, in the end, It's not really about that achievement is what the feeling or the living state, I think getting that thing that is outside of me is going to net me. How do I think that's going to make me feel? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because I'm here to tell you as somebody who was a secretary, who was like the best kept secret in New York, and then who went from, you know, (laughs) I used to book it from 52nd and 6th Avenue to 54th and 7th Avenue take my lesson on my lunch break with my teacher Arthur Levy at the time and then like go back and babysit a bunch of like spoiled Swiss bankers. Like that was my (laughs) life for 10 years after I left Curtis. And then all of a sudden the voice got in line. I still obviously had something to say and now I'm in Germany and I'm singing on stage of Deutsche Oper, right? What did I think the feeling was that that achievement was going to net me. Let me tell you something. It was an amazing achievement because it's what I was able to do for myself, but the achievement itself didn't net me the feelings that I thought it was going to feel. See, that's so interesting.
0: Yes. That's so fascinating. I can tell you that on opening night, Uh uh-huh.
1: And I was like thrown in, so I didn't get to work with the orchestra before or anything like that. <clears throat> I basically sang the whole entire first act through a panic attack. <sighs> I was just absolutely because I wasn't, you know what I mean? Like, I yes. just had been in the business for so long, and now I'm singing this insane, yeah. world, like, only me, right? I'm like, yeah. you're I'm just like wrong. thrown like, right in. <laughs> and I remember standing there trying to. Claw, thank God that I learned my voice. This, mm-hmm. is, this is, that's a different conversation, but technique is for when everything feels like it's falling apart. Not when, you know, you woke up and felt like golden cords <laughs> that morning. Don't get me started. My students are prepared for like Armageddon. Like they oh keep- Armageddon! <laughs> so I was standing there like on this landing on, this, on, the, on like the second floor of this like tower. I'm supposed to be singing this aria. And I remember looking into the audience and I'm like, I'm working so hard to not splat. And I thought to myself, all I ever wanted to do was raise chickens in upstate New York. What am, am, what I, am I doing here? here? What yes. am I doing here? Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm too intro. I, this is the dialogue that's going on in my head as going to <laughs> Oprah Berlin Orchestra. Is playing. I'm thinking. I'm too introverted. I've been shy my whole entire life. I don't have a big enough ego. I don't have a big enough personality. And then there was another voice that was like, "Well, you worked so hard to get here. You better. You better deliver now. <laughs> They're like, do it on. now.'" <laughs> you better you better do it now. You said that you wanted this. You said you, said you wanted your, this. <laughs> you left your cushy day job that made you more money than your parents ever made teaching to sing yeah. this. So you better deliver. It was in many ways wonderful, but not for the reasons that I thought it was going to be wonderful.
0: Yes. I'm so glad that I'm not the only person who's felt that. <laughs> yeah. That not, moment where you're like, you said you wanted this. <laughs> you said you wanted this. Be careful
1: what you asked her. You just might get it. And you, you know, know, it's a very bad spin for me. This I'm being a horrible brand manager by being this open, but, <laughs> I, but what gets my, what gets my fire in the belly now is connecting with the next generation. Yeah. I don't want the next generation to feel burdened with these expectations that they put on themselves that are not true behind closed doors right right Mm -hmm. take the pressure off this is what it's really like folks you know what I
0: mean exactly and but then Francesca would you say that that allowed you that moment where you're you're singing through the first act and you're having that like I just wanted to raise chickens like moment and your brain also tells you you said you wanted this then did it help you did it help you connect then with what your artistry was becoming Yes, because you've did. gotten through that, Everything. you've gotten through that stage of it. Yes,
1: absolutely. And also for me, the achievement, the achievement had more to do with finally getting the credit that I felt that my voice deserved yeah, yeah. after lots and lots of bad teachers. Mm, Yes, that I was able to give myself the experience of being well-loved and well-respected by everybody the state you know my assistant stage director loved me I was invited back for quite a few seasons after I was well-respected for being uniquely me yep yep That was enough to feed whatever I needed at the moment as a human being. And also after years of being told by important people that I would never amount to anything and my voice was ugly, that I delivered under pressure
2: Mm
1: -hmm. and that I I had worked so hard on my technique that I could sing my way through an actual panic attack and not being able to breathe yep and then yep. slam dunk to the second and the third act
0: girl that's what's up
1: yeah <laughs> but that was about again my relationship to my own voice and my own creative journey that literally has nothing to do with anybody that was in the pit or in the audience at the time that was really
2: yeah. me mm-hmm. yep.
0: you know yeah definitely so yeah I love yes that. anybody
1: watching just you know what I mean stick to your guns to what's important to you and ask yourself if there's if I am if I'm hungry for something and I'm pinning my self-esteem on an achievement why am I pinning it on that one what is it about that one specific thing that I can't let go of
2: Yep. yep
1: because the achievements are Okay, this is another woo-woo thing to say. Anything that's meant to be yours cannot be taken away from you. Uh Anything that is meant to be yours as a working musician, you know, as a creative person cannot be taken away from you. If you give 150% to what you have control over, and you just really do the thing, then the cards are going to fall like the cookies is going to crumble as it lays yeah. yeah more of it is out of your control than you realize because you're dealing with the free will of other
0: people of course, of course. you know and what i mean definitely well and one of the things as part of what i want to talk about next and i know that this is opening a whole a whole section of things okay. but but we are going to talk about uh, I always love to ask about a technical skill that you love to teach. Yes. And so I feel like this is part of that. Where what I really loved about what you just said was, was, ta- is the things that you can control. And yes. there are like taking in the information that you need about your own technique and yes. all of that musical knowledge that that you can control. That's yes. what we're talking about here. And so can you run with that? What's a technical skill that you love to teach? You know what I love. I love
1: getting singers completely on their body. Mm, yes. Singing with their whole instrument and their whole person.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, I get, I've experienced a, many singers who are in vocal knots and therefore emotional knots because in the past they have not addressed the entire instrument, mm-hmm. okay? And look, talking about technique can be like a very, very sensitive thing, and you know. So I'm speaking from my personal experience, from my mentors, they were very different personalities, they used very different per- uh, vocabulary, but conceptually they believed in all of the same things and what saved my instrument, what allowed me to go from the ugly duckling at the Curtis Institute of Music mm-hmm. to being too old for the business, and then having you know three or four seasons at Deutsche Oper and still getting invited now to sing without having to audition. Yeah. I am telling you that that is technique. Mm. I never had whatever people believe in for like the political machine. I never knew the right people. I was too old. I, like it, I it literally, surely happened off of this. Yeah. So my what i love is getting in and getting people on the true appoggio really feeling what the old with the old timey italian grandmas and grandpas would call voce la inhalare you know mm-hmm. really feeling where chiaroscuro is so we have squillo and we have this uh uh-uh pharyngeal depth it's yeah. amazing it's amazing the look on somebody's face when all of a sudden it doesn't hurt to sing oh yes not hard to sing they get what I call voice dysmorphia because now everything sounds and feels about a third lower it's usually a major third to a perfect fourth lower than what it used to feel like and they tell me they feel like they can sing anything and when they listen to the recording of their lesson because you can't hear what you sound like in your in your ear they say to me it's the voice that I always thought that I could have but I didn't know I could
0: make oh that's my favorite that that, that, my favorite. Mm-hmm.
1: that. and then you see the wheels turning and like the the glitter in the eyes because they know that's the beginning of ownership because then they know what they carry mm-hmm. they're not going to apologize for it mm-hmm. yeah and they're going to go in I like to say Again, it's very woo-woo. Open heart, open throat. Yeah, open heart, I love open it. <laughs> That's amazing. You can't be apologizing and pan emotionally in panic and sing with your whole instrument. Yeah. And by whole instrument, I would never allow a student to sing a fa heavier than they should be. I would never allow someone to darken or manufacture a sound. I'm yeah. talking about, to me, the culmination of vocal technique is... Massaging out the most beautiful, unique color that is that only belongs to that one person that has as many colors as possible, as much ring as possible, with the
0: least amount
1: of effort.
0: Yes. Yes,
1: that's when you're kind of in the magic zone. So that's my favorite thing to do because I get a lot of singers that are very disembodied Mm -hmm. or they come to me, um, only having worked like one part of the instrument. Usually, you know, there's like only talking about squillo or only talking about the schwa or only talking about, I'm like, no, 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 no. We're going to, we're going to introduce you to the other parts of your body. And then once that starts lining up, that's when the machine machinery starts going, right? That's very exciting to me.
0: When your technique helps you feel like it's so easy, it should feel like, and you're like, this is my sound. Yes. It feels effortless. And so when we get to that point, I, it's so uh, fascinating to me that we think it's, should be so hard and then when we get to the point where we're like oh this is my voice is that it's actually the most effortless version of what you've been doing all along you're like oh okay (laughs) absolutely
1: and it takes a kind of um i get a i get a lot of it's interesting i get a lot of this is way more intense than I thought it was going to be, but it's the but it feels too easy. Yeah. Because they're taking their energy, they're basically putting their support where they should be if that makes any sense. Yeah. But also this sense of like not having to work too hard. I can't tell you how many sopranos have come to me that are panicking about their high notes not matching and they're just muscling Mm -hmm. every they are work they think that it just takes so much work and I'm like no
0: yep yep
1: no a lot of people won't believe me they'll be like that was wimpy and then I'll have to make them listen you know I'm like you have to record your lessons otherwise you won't believe me sort of thing
0: and I think so many people like hate listening to themselves get into the practice record yourself listen back to it and then you'll like it just unlocks so many things because you can't, you cannot, if you were in it the way that your voice wants to be, you can't be relying on that inner ear. You cannot hear it. Mm-mm. I mean, and it's,
1: it's funny cause I use myself as a, as a Guinea pig example, because you know what people for people that love my singing or know my voice think you know, they know that I'm like, basically sound like a contralto with high notes. I'm a, yes. I'm very, it's, You know, anybody who's like, I haven't heard a voice like yours since this 1956 Italian soprano, that's me. I literally, I'm not an animal that exists in, you know, today's world. I have the biggest, darkest sound. And I always tell everybody the story about how, you know, my current teaching mentor is David Jones. I believe in many, many of his concepts. And his concepts worked for me. And my high notes finally got unlocked when he said to me, You're like a bull in a china shop and you're locking through everything, but you're strong and so you're muscling. When the high notes started releasing past a natural, I almost cried. I was like, This is so ugly. It's so wimpy. I looked at him and I said, That's wimpy. It's never gonna carry any sort of laughing hysterically. <laughs> He's like, madam your voice is like a siren. And I didn't believe and I'm like, I can't believe I spent all that money and he totally doesn't understand my instrument. What have I done? And then I went home and I made myself listen again, comes down to, uh, comes back to a place of self-love. You cannot be berating yourself while you're working. No,
2: no. You
1: cannot do it. So I'm like, I'm not going to judge. And it was like, what the biggest, darkest, most brilliant? Yeah.
0: Tons,
1: tons of overtone, and I thought, oh, that's what people mean when they say you can't hear yourself.
0: Exactly. And I to
1: for the first time go by feeling. Yeah. It's very scary, and it means, again, with self love, it means being vulnerable. It means taking chances. Mm-hmm. It means giving yourself permission in the privacy of the studio to like not not feel comfortable and fall flat on your face, and do it again. Yep. It means having a vocal breakthrough. And then for the next two weeks, when you try repeating it on your own, you're not gonna get it.
2: No, no. It doesn't
1: mean that your teacher is leading you astray. It means that you have to, again, with self-love, hold yourself in compassion, be patient. The brain can get it, but you're talking about building a muscle coordination. That takes exactly.
0: time. Exactly. there divas real quick thing before we get back to the rest of this episode do you love studio class you can support it now by joining the sybaritic camerata on patreon it's just at patreon.com slash m-e-z-z-o-i-h-n-e-n for ten dollars a month you can join the listening circle where you get access to bonus episodes you can make listener requests and for 20 dollars a month you can become a masterclass scholar Do you ever wish you could ask our Masterclass episode guests a question? Here's your chance. As a Masterclass scholar, you're invited to the recording of the Masterclass episodes, and you get to ask your questions during an exclusive Q&A after the taping. So come on over, check it out, patreon.com slash And now we're back to the episode. Well, and I love what you're saying about also being with someone you trust when you're when you're practicing that, that time, I, I feel the same way about the about the mentor that I was working with at the time when the, those things started to come into place, and I was like, "It can be like this, <laughs> like yeah. what?" Yeah. And and same thing. I I don't think I mean I definitely wouldn't have done it without that person to say. You know, this is a, this is a place where you can try it. Just try, try all the sounds. Here you go. Here we go. I'm here for you. I'm listening. You can try these things. You don't have to be the observer and the sound maker and all of the things all at once. Yes, exactly.
1: So I feel you 100%.
0: Yeah. Out of all of the places in
1: the world, the studio, the pride, the, in the privacy of your relationship with your teacher is the one place where you should feel 100% safe and I I also feel that like more important than like someone's specific pedagogy is what kind of human being they are as a teacher it's you know I mean again keeping it real I know who's watching I know that you're deciding whether you're going to actually pay the electric bill on time or you're going to take a lesson this month I know exactly I lived that I know what that is um, I still sometimes have to make that decision. I've got an honorable Anna Bolena coming up, and I'm like, okay, you know, uh, how many how many lessons can I afford? Like yeah, when I yeah, want to yeah. do this, and I wanted to, you know, maybe buy a car this year after I got Like, I mean, I just like I get it. Like that never goes away. Never goes so away. If you're making the time, financial, and emotional commitment, the agreement, the ethical agreement that you go into with your teacher is is this person emotionally available. Are they curious? When I ask a question, do they get defensive or do they actually give me an answer? Are they curious about my vocabulary and how I understand my instrument?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Are they, do they have one or two concepts that I hear them using over and over and over, no matter who this <laughs> is? Or do I feel like they're specifically paying attention to what my instrument needs? Yes. And when I watch That's them work such a with big one. Such when a big I watch one. them work with other students, does it sound like almost like a different vocabulary? Yeah. And if I feel that I'm not getting anywhere within three to four months of taking lessons or six months at the very tops, do they treat me like I'm not, like I'm not talented or that there's something wrong with me?
0: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So that's all of ah. that is just so real, and and that's the thing is that we bump into it. I definitely had that experience very early in my career, being going from a great like studio, great studio environment, and I thought they mm-hmm. were all like that. They're not. And all then like that. they're not. And then had that had that experience going into one and realized, you know, all of the things on that, let's just call that a checklist, that all of those things, I was just like, but wh- why, why is this happening? Aren't they supposed yeah. to be like this experience I was having? And, and that then... can be very um, alarming. Yeah. Well, and, and that I didn't also have the capacity to no. know those things. And then the getting out of the wrong situation and into the right situation was met yeah. with a lot of a lot of angst from a lot of people when it should oh, have been sure. that, met with like let me help you do that this is yes. this doesn't seem like the right situation you know and yes. and so for anybody who's listening i i always want to be that person that's like it's okay if you're not in the right situation be professional and say i'm going to i'm going to move out of this as smoothly and efficiently as possible, you know, getting to the right place. That gets back
1: to the danger of the people pleasing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All of those, like being addicted to believing that only an achievement is going to make you happier, give you what you think you want is attached to people pleasing, is attached to your sense of self-ownership. If you love yourself, if you know what you're worth, if you know what you want for achievements, but you know that the achievements don't define you as a lovable or worthy human being, you will be brave enough to say to that person that you're paying 175 to $250 an hour for a lesson after you've done everything that they've asked you to do and nothing has stuck or singing feels worse four months, five months later than it did before, you will have the spine and the self-worth to say, It's been such an honor to work with you, but I feel like I can't hold on to anything. I think I have to try something different because only you can take care of yourself. Even young, I'm a relatively young teacher in my career. I believe in the ethical studio. I've had more than one student that I feel I've given everything that I know how. I had a young baritone actually just last year He really, really wants to audition for master's programs. Mm -hmm. He's very, very driven. And no matter what I was doing with him, it could have been personality issues. It could have been he didn't understand my language. It could have been he was in a place where he wasn't ready or able to hear it and do the practicing. Who knows? In the end, we got to about six months of really, really serious work. And I thought... I, if I continue to teach this child, I'm stealing his money. Yes. Yes. And I said to him, listen, I really believe in you. You know how talented I think you are. I think I've tried everything that I can and I'm I'm concerned because we're six months in and I feel like we're starting to have to like reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. I know how badly you want to audition for master's programs. I want to give you enough time to find somebody that's going to know exactly what to do. And then I sent him a list of my colleagues that are not going to break the bank, who I believe are other up and coming world-class teachers. And I'm like, I'll talk to this person, this person, this person. It's yeah. no reflection yeah. on me as a teacher. No, it just means that I wasn't able to serve this child.
0: Yeah, it's okay. both on both sides. It's on both for ends. Him. And for you, you're saying I'm making space to be the right person for the right student. I'm also making space, and he's making space. Yes. To be with someone who is the right fit for him at this moment in time. Absolutely. I so strongly believe in that. And it's, it's, and that's why when I, when I was saying about when it's maybe not the right fit, what you were saying is it's been an honor to work with you. Thank you for what you've given me. That's right. It's time for me to try a different, a a different environment, something along those lines. Absolutely. Allow everybody to just go to the next thing. That's That's right. Because
1: you are on your own journey. Yeah. You are on your own journey. I remember when I was a babe, I did a couple of seasons of you know IVAI with Joan Dorneman And yeah. I will never forget her saying, and it's true, because she was talking about coaching. She was like, it's kind of like dating. Yeah. <laughs> you if you you cannot, it will be such a huge time waster and you're just gonna devolve into knots. If you work with a coach who's not a fan of your instrument and what makes you 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 will never get what you need out of them. You're going to spend hundreds of dollars a week and months and months of hard work with them never being happy with anything that you're doing because they don't understand you.
0: Yeah, You need to be with
1: somebody that's part of your part of your tribe in a way, part of your vocal tribe. And they will not let you get away with anything. They'll hold you to a world-class standard, but you'll know if they understand your instrument, if they're excited about you, and they can they can give you the tools that you need yeah. to come yeah. out on the next level. You'll know. Anybody okay. watching, I know everybody is a smart cookie that's watching this, you'll know. You'll know. So know. it's like trying to hold on to the guy that was only gonna see you as a last minute option instead of like wife material. I mean, keeping it real, right? <laughs> yes indeed indeed never
0: somebody who can't accept and understand what makes you you you're never going to convince them no well and it's such it's such emotional it's it's very it's all the things physical it's emotional it's psychological work that we do together and you can't you can't downplay that in a relationship because you're gonna be you're gonna be vulnerable together it's, it's really important. It's not the same thing as like, I don't know, my financial advisor. I don't need them to understand me psychologically exactly. like necessarily the same yeah. way. Like,
1: <laughs> exactly. But this, we're talking about vulnerability. We're talking about, you know, we're opening up in front of someone else, all of our insecurities and our fears of unworthiness or not being enoughness about our own instruments.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: I'm, I'm working with students that with saying some singers that have been berating themselves for years as as driven as they are and as talented as they are they're like one step away from sabotaging with how they talk to themselves that's a huge responsibility for me to say well with all of that let let me ask you to put your vocal cords in my hands and i'm gonna I'm going to take all the parts out under the hood and then put it back together. That is an unbelievable amount of trust. It
0: truly is, truly is.
1: So, and so the student yeah. has, the, the teacher has a responsibility to the student. That's ethical studio teaching, definitely.
0: Agreed. I, I love what you said there. And I, I hope that so many of us also, so many so many of us are in the ecosystem where we are artists we are like teaching artists we do all parts like we were talking about wearing all of these hats yes and so much of that no matter what hat you're wearing being an ethical member of this field of this sector is so important when you're if you're on the you know if you're an artist and you're also on the administrative side making sure that we are financially taking care of each other also making sure that if you're in a studio that you are emotionally taking care of each other and you're not uh you're not continuing a pedagogical abuse cycle absolutely we you know I I hope that that's the conversation that we can keep having is is making that ethical commitment to each other because we're interconnected
1: I'm very excited in that conversation in particular because like I said I really think that with the industry and um the machine the bigger machine changing so much now's the time you know what i mean to really 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 you know what i mean like drive the point home we are in a place i am at the age where i get to create the atmosphere that I wish that I could have had when I was about 20 to 25 years younger. And that's my responsibility. But it's very, very empowering, you know? Um, It allows for the care and the feeding and the nurturing of the next special unique artists to come.
0: Yep. So
1: why is... There's no shame in talking about it. It's important to be having this conversation. It's happening in every other artistic field. These conversations are happening in every other artistic field. I I know that I'm not politically very high on the totem pole, but I've lasted longer than most people. And I don't think that this idea of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Mistaking being cynical, negative, or secretive must mean that you're a more talented artist than somebody else. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in it. And all of the artists that I really look up to are very, very generous and very, very real I mean Christine Gerkey probably is about as real on Facebook as like you can get, right?
0: <laughs> yes, right? And we love her for it, right? And we love her
1: for it and I, I she makes that she she gives permission for the singers that are working on like the regional and the smaller regional level, you know what I mean, yes. to to be that. I yes. think it's important yes. because we need to keep the community intact. It's of such a this art form is so visceral and it's so extreme and it's not meant for the whole entire populace. It's never gonna be understood by the whole entire populace but there will always be a certain percentage of every generation that feels like their life has changed by mm-hmm. hearing operatically trained singers in person and they will forever be a zealot. Yes. And a passionate acolyte. Yeah so yep. we're how can you how can you ask to win the hearts and minds of the up and coming audience members and you know and be closed yep. i don't i don't personally prescribe to that it hasn't worked for me personally as a singer as a teacher you know what i mean as a yep. as a person but that's just me that's what that's what makes me me that's yep. what makes me
0: different than everybody else Well, and I think it comes back to one of the things that we were talking about, which, you know, I, we're always going to be a little bit more tight-fisted or unethical or whatever, when it comes to fear, uncertainty, scarcity mindset. And, and it's, and those are tactics to make you feel like you don't have the power you do have.
1: Absolutely. I think that, um, I was just talking about this with a colleague of mine yesterday, and again, this is a this is a life skill tool in all walks of life, for anybody watching that's feeling stuck, um, or they feel like they're spinning wheels, or they feel frozen by indecision. It's such an emotionally fraught thing, right? Our relationship to our our instrument and wanting achievements and what we think that means. So when you're in a highly emotionally reactive place, this is what you do you set yourself down, you make a list of, okay, what's, what, what is not within my control? What do I not have control over? So I don't have control over who's going to be sitting behind the table at that audition. I don't have control over the fact that, you know, I didn't get into that master's program. I don't have control over the fact that that coach that I just gave $120 to obviously didn't get my instrument at all and basically told me I was never gonna have a career. It's too late and, and it, I'm, I, it's not within my control. I already feel bad about it. Like I already have my feelings. Okay. Then you sit down and you write, what do, what do I do have control over, right? 10 times out of 10, anytime that I've used this for my students, my clients, The what is within my control and therefore what i can maybe do and how i can move forward is always way way longer than they think it's going to be yeah way way longer and again it comes back to how creative energy is non-linear it's like i used to say it's like water Mm. sort of it will level out it will find its way around rocks it will find its way around seemingly insurmountable obstacles If you just let it go in the direction that it wants to go.
0: Yep. Stop
1: micromanaging. Mm -mm. Let your creative energy and how you go forward be its own organic thing. Yeah. I mean, if anybody actually sat down and saw the direction of my career, they'd probably get whiplash. I mean, (laughs) you know what I mean? I could not have predicted who was going to understand my voice and who was going to get excited about it. There were people that I was sure were gonna get it and hire me on the spot, and they could have cared less. Mm. You know, just in the past year, this and this and this creative opportunity has literally landed on my lap from this person that heard me sing four years ago. I mean, you never know what's coming.
0: You never know.
1: So, in a place of feeling frozen or stuck, to get yourself out of the emotional loading of despair, write your lists. And then yeah, out yeah. of the list of yeah. the stuff that's within your control, you say, all right, at the end of the day, how is it that I want to feel? Do I want to feel accomplished? Do I want to feel hopeful? Do I wanna feel like I've got some room to move forward? All right, what in this list is gonna get me where I wanna go? Yeah. And I yeah. use that for my own career many, many through many stages of it. And I'm a hybrid career. Anybody who's pretending that they don't have a hybrid career is not being honest with themselves or anybody (laughs) else we discussed earlier. Yeah, (laughs) totally true. But it's also for any part in your life. And I mean, I have colleagues that had much bigger, shinier, you know, careers in the industry than I did, but what makes them happy now is not what they thought was going to make them happy five or even three or 10 years ago. So they're coming back to doing those lists for... Whether they even want to be singing or not, I mean, there's just no predicting in life. But there will always, always be a way forward for you if you're come if you're being, if you're honoring how you feel. You're gonna, you, you will not lose out. It will only, in the end, work. It's gonna work out the way it's supposed to work out.
0: I love
1: it. Um, yeah, yeah.
0: Francesco, we. Oh. Now, on the podcast, I usually ask a question. We just organically went through this, which was, I ask a question about micro actions because it's one of the yeah. things that we're always just, I just try to help break things down so it doesn't feel so overwhelming all the time. Absolutely. And so a micro action is like, what's a thing that I can do right now yes. that feels like I'm moving forward? Absolutely. And I loved your lists, your lists of Make a list. these aren't in my control. These are in my control. What do I want to feel? And yes. then, and then make that next step. And I think that works for uncertainty, as you said, uncertainty, fear, stuck, stuckness, you know, frozen.
1: <laughs> it, it also works for goal and achievement setting. So let's say you really set out for some achievement and you were like, let's say that it's all right. I know COVID just happened, but I need, I need at least 15 auditions this this year let's just say and you get to the end of the season and you're like I had I was granted seven auditions and none of them planted like I Mm -hmm. didn't get any offers and I didn't get as many auditions as I wanted does that mean that you're a failure you're never gonna sink no it means that you got to you've got to pivot and redo your list yep to find out the next right thing to do it literally doesn't mean anything and that's a whole other conversation too because you're not getting the job very often had nothing to do with your talent, it was made for reasons that were completely out of your control.
0: Yes, right. Like, and practicing you know, not letting it mean things is, is its own micro action. <laughs> that is
1: its own micro action, you know, like there was a, this is a very specific example from my own career there, I was up for uh, a Mrs McBee in the Scottish play. And I knew that the people that were auditioning me were some huge fans of my singing. And, you know, the energy around the, the um, audition was like, I'm a shoo-in, I'm a shoo-in. I am a shoo i am a shoo i did not get it. I was shocked. Yeah. And then I ended up finding out that out of the three people in the room, two of them were like, we have to hire, we have to hire her. The third person was like yeah she's amazing and she gave the best audition but this other person I can hire with their husband and they'll be cheaper together it literally oh. not had nothing to do with my performance that day right right so also young people or not so young people watching like again the most important thing is how you felt about your audition and maybe your manager, if they were there, only if they're a manager that you actually respect and trust. That's another conversation. But in the end, you can't even look outside. You have to know in your gut, well, do I feel like I rocked it? I did that. I cannot take it personally. I cannot read into why I didn't land the contract and I have to keep going.
0: Have now I know. make my list,
1: how do I move forward?
0: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You you just brought this up. I've had a lot of people asking recently about managers and I just wanted to bring it up because you, you had talked about it for a second. Do you have any thoughts yes. about management that you want to share here?
1: I think again, in the theme of our like people pleasing versus ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, managers are only as good as the relationships that they already have. Mm -hmm. Being signed with a manager does not guarantee achievement. Mm -hmm. The right time for being with a manager is when you meet someone that's heard you sing, that gets so excited about your singing and so gets who you are that they believe that they could sell you to like their pet rock. Oh yeah. Anything less than unbridled, passionate enthusiasm is not somebody that's gonna go to bat for you. Yeah. Yeah. Because the manager is also managing their reputation with the opera companies and the casting directors. Mm -hmm. They've got to really understand you and get you They are taking 20% or 15% or 10% out of your paycheck. I know it's hard to remember, but you are paying them. You You are paying them. They are working for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: They're working for you. You are responsible for executing and nailing the landing and doing what they ask you to do and taking the risks that they ask you to take and taking their business advice.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: it is an equal business partnership. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: It is not
1: tiered. It is not guru and disciple. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's not what it is. Yeah, And, um, managers cannot make miracles happen if the work is drying up or if this casting director says that they want a 22-year-old lyric to sing Turandot and you're the most amazing Turandot, your manager is not going to get you hired. So it's just another level. Uh, The right time to sign with a manager is someone who's excited about you and believes in you and they have the professional connections to get you in front of the opera companies that you can't get in front of by yourself but you are always and forever responsible for tooting your own horn Mm -hmm. don't wait for the manager to you still have to do it yeah you have to be the ceo of your own company and you have to make your manager work for you that's one of the biggest mistakes that i made yeah yeah I I idolized my managers every single one of them and I feared them. Mm, mm-hmm. And I because I felt that I wasn't worthy. I didn't really feel worthy of my own talent until maybe about 45 yeah. in the last three, 3 4 years. Because I still I still believe deep down inside that my voice was ugly and that I mm-hmm. wasn't enough. Yep. yeah. Like what we were talking about. So my professional relationships were not healthy ones.
0: Yeah. But it's so real. That's I you are not alone in those experiences. I'm not alone.
1: And again, these are the conversations that, you know, there's this for all of for all of the young chickadees going, if I just get a manager. There's this spin on social media and managers and this and that. And then there's like how people talk about their managers. Yeah. Stuart. <laughs> sure. Okay. <It's> so true. <laughs> So that the most important thing is that this, this combination of somebody really, really getting what they're not. If if you feel before you sign with somebody that the energy is that they're doing you a favor by deigning to take you onto their roster,
0: mm-hmm. not gonna work. Not gonna work. And You're honestly, gonna... when it comes down to it, the voice gets the job. You the voice have a, gets the job. You have a business partner who you are working together on those things. Yes. But, but don't forget, you know, because I think I what I hear is that managers are, or I think the subtext of the, those questions are managers are these magical moments in your life in which suddenly you don't have to work for gigs anymore. And I'm like, that that is not how that works.
1: (laughs) No, no, your work is never done. Exactly. You're only adding more work onto your plate when you sign with someone.
0: Right. Right. And so you really want to make sure that you're in, you feel like you're entering into a, a positive business relationship.
1: Absolutely. It is an equal business partnership is what you're don't I made all the mistakes that you weren't that you're not supposed to do I never talked to my managers I never asked them questions I never made demands yeah if I felt that my manager wasn't happy with my singing even though I sound exactly the same as when they first signed me I would emotionally unravel Mm. like completely emotionally unravel Mm. and then it became about like winning their affection instead of saying but I but I but I landed this and this and this contract. What's the problem that you have with my singing right now? What do you expect me to do about it? Right. Be tougher. Yeah. They're not Uh your dad. They're not your mom. Uh They're not your best friend. They're not your guru. They're not your ego. They're not your mirror. They are your business partner and they're working for you. Yep. Yep. Says the 48 year old woman who doesn't have a manager anymore, but I've been through a few and they're no. all still working. All of the managers that I had are still working.
0: Yeah. Well, you and also, that's, that's the point is having had those experiences and then being able yes. to talk about them in a way where they're not magical, mythical things anymore. No. They are. Oh, yeah. These are the things I did. I learned a lot from that. And here's what I would be looking for, obviously, going forward. And exactly. then and, and being able to that's, that's exactly what this is about is just the real conversations around yes how to get the most out of that relationship.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yep. If you're giving a
1: hundred for 150% of what's in your control, yep. Yep. you know what I mean? Yeah. You have a right, you have a right to be treated with respect by somebody who's taking money.
0: Yeah. From you. <laughs> that's, that's what I, I was, Having this conversation recently about about yeah. that financial relationship and saying, yeah, you know, I was like, oh, the that manager is should be very excited because you are their you are their ticket. That's <laughs> like, right. I was like, hey, this is not. I was like, this is not. It's not the other way around, friend. No. <laughs> like it, and also, exactly. they're, they're looking for you. It's it doesn't. The relationship isn't like. I'm going to go from not having a lot of experience into suddenly being signed by a manager and then they're going to do all the work for me yeah, on that side. It it's you're like still you... doing you're still doing all of your own work. Exactly. You're still doing all of your own work. And the fact that most of that is that you are actually you your schedule is getting you know, more and more full based off of the work that you're doing, that's when a manager is going to show up and be like, hi, I would like to also profit off of this work yeah, absolutely. <laughs> in, in a positive way, but in a <laughs> positive way, absolutely. That, that it is,
1: they, they will help you negotiate the next level of yeah. your career if that's what's meant to be. And they're going to know how to represent you, they're gonna know how to put the right words in the right ear of the right casting directors that they have good relationships with, that they know this house is gonna really get your instrument.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And they're well-respected and they're well-connected and they're connected to a lot of different yes. companies. Yes, You can be with the nicest person in the world, but if as a manager, they're not well-respected mm-hmm. and, they're, and then, then nobody on their roster is like, you know what I mean? Yep, exactly, exactly. And don't don't underestimate how much you can do for yourself. I mean, that's the other thing too. That's that's a whole other conversation about how the industry really, really is in flux. Like, there's no real there's no real audition season anymore mm-hmm.
2: in Europe.
1: Like, there's none of that. It's just yeah. you just kind of hang out and sing. Like, you just have to show up and sing. Um, you know, there, I have colleagues of mine that are writing, they have an agent, but that doesn't stop them from writing directly yep. to opera companies yep. to get a foot in the door. You, yep. you have to be your own manager. You never stop.
0: And especially early on, you are building all of those relationships. You are getting out there and working in all different types of situations so that That's you've got right. lots to show for, for yourself, you know, You're, all of the things you've been through
1: you have to go where all of you have to go where all of the green lights are because the the mm-hmm. for younger singers watching you're building a network of relationships that will bring dividends years and years and years down the line.
2: Yes.
1: Networking is not about what are you going to do for me it's what can i do for you you have to emotionally and musically creatively invest. Yeah and keep showing up and say yes to this and this and this and this kid because that person that was a big fan of your singing three years ago 10 years from now is going to be the musical director at an opera company and they're going to call you and say can you come and sing ba -ba blah because they love your voice and they love who you are as an artist and a colleague that's how it really happens
0: I couldn't agree more and And, honestly I think people think it's um that it doesn't happen fast enough and you're like
1: it's, but a, that's it's a building been,
0: process. Yeah.
1: It takes a whole lifetime. It yeah. takes a whole lifetime. And the other thing to note is where is, where is the manager in, in that relationship? The manager is nowhere. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The manager has nothing to do with that. Yeah. So the manager is only opening doors that you couldn't already open for yourself. But that work, that's, that's your life's work. That your that's your investing into your artistic community.
0: Exactly. Exactly. With
1: your beautiful, unique, bright, shiny, gorgeous, not
0: apologizing, showing (laughs) up, here I am. That's right, that's right. (laughs) So Francesca, we're going to do one more question before we start to kind of find ourselves at the the culmination of our masterclass time together. Yay! (laughs) Um, And I always love to end with this because I think that curiosity is a superpower and I think that you do too mm. that that curiosity is so important to yes. the artistic soul and mm-hmm. and so what I what I want to ask is kind of what are you curious about these days
1: What am I curious about these days I'm curious about I think because I'm so in love with teaching mm-hmm. and I come from I come to my teaching from a place of really wanting to be a healer and a catalyst. I'm curious about what makes my students, what makes people happy. I'm in, I'm interested in what makes people feel beautiful on the inside for them. Yes. Yeah you know i want to know what what's going to what's what can i do to make you feel special and happy and excited and like a little rose bush that i'm pruning and watering and you know i'm really really interested in in the inner worlds of other people yeah. I'm, I'm interested in the uniqueness of other people. I'm in love with people, but that's why we do what we do, right? Mm-hmm. We're communicators mm-hmm. and communicators. <laughs> we're communicators and we're connectors. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm fascinated by people's stories and their own personal journeys and their, their hurdles, especially when it comes to their relationship to their their voice and what they've been through in their trials and tribulations. And yeah. I feel like it makes me it makes me a better human being, but it makes me it makes me a much better teacher. And when I think about like returning to singing, I know it's going to make me a, a better singer than I've ever been. Mm. You know, for being open enough to, I mean, you know, obviously I'm like the Jewish Italian chatty Cathy over here. But there's great, great, great power in listening to other people. Yeah,
0: agreed. And I think that's From such an important here. skill. I think when we think about it as musicians, mm. we're taught to listen in very different ways than and than other humans. And yes, yes, we're taught how to be sound makers, but we're yes. also taught how to be listeners.
1: Yes, and for my, for. For other performers watching, you know what that is when you're on stage. Mm -hmm. Before your pianist or the orchestra makes a sound, before you open your mouth, what are you doing? You're feeling and listening for your audience. Mm -hmm. And you can feel and hear with no words what it is that they need from you.
0: Yes, yes. And that is one of the things I am just... So deeply craving about as we return to live performance. Oh Lord! <laughs>
1: I know, and I know that your people miss you. Oh my
0: goodness! And, and likewise, <laughs> I
1: know it's going to be like if I can get through my first performance without crying big fat snotty tears, Ooh. it's going to be a miracle. But you know,
0: it's oh man, oh, yeah. yeah. I would. It's just I. I'm just so so excited for, and I, I, I suppose. I, you know, it's been a very weird and hard year for a lot of us. And I'm hoping yeah. that at least for myself, I'll bring the the meaning and hopefully some of that into I mean, the rest of our lives as artists. and Absolutely.
1: So, oh, I know you will miss Megan. That's I know why, you well, miss <laughs> I know that's why that's why we're such fans because we're part of the same tribe, ladies. Yes. <laughs> we well, are. I'm yep. so excited. You have to keep me. Po- you have to keep me posted when your performances come up so I can come.
0: You. Oh, of course, of course. Right. I mean, likewise. We'll we'll yes. you know we'll make it happen. So well, yes, we'll make it happen. Of telling people where. So yes. I am imagining that people can find you both as a teacher and as a singer online. Can you tell people where you want them to go for that?
1: Yes. So for teaching, you can go to www.studiomondonero.com. Right now, the artistic page is going, because I'm changing and transforming as an artist. The website is down and we're redoing. But the best place always to get me is right on Facebook, Francesco Rachel Mondanero, hit me up, DM me. I'm, you know, that's where I'm listing all the performances as they come up. I'm trying to do a live FB chat, like once every couple of weeks. Love it. You know, and sort of keep everybody in the process and talk about teaching, answer any questions that people have. The performances, the, my per- first performance dates really won't be until the spring of 2022, yeah. but um, I, I will be relaunching the art art person website by this coming fall. Um, so Come find me on Facebook. Francesca Rachel mondanero and then studio mondanero.com for lessons. That's that's my story.
0: And then do you want to spell? Sorry, do you want to spell Montanero for any of our it's a, lot of, it's a lot of vowels. All right, <laughs> it's
1: it's M O at studio, the word studio, and then M O N D like David A N A
0: R O dot com. Love it, love it, love it. Lots of vowels. <laughs> Francesca I'm going to have you yeah. say our closing line because you were talking about what makes people kind of feel beautiful on the inside. Yes. And through this through this podcast you know our uh, I always tell our listeners at the end to Stay sparkly inside and out. And so I'm hoping that you'll close it off for us with our little Stay Sparkly Inside and Out tagline.
1: Everybody stay sparkly inside and out. I'm going to be looking for you. Love to everybody. Love you, Megan. It's so good to see you.
0: Love you too. Thank you so much, Francesca. Thank you so much for listening to this masterclass episode on studio class. Hey, before you go, do you have a second? Will you take a screenshot of this episode and share it to Instagram with your takeaways? You can tag me there at MezzoEnen. That's M-E-Z-Z-O-I-H-N-E-N. It makes a huge difference when you share this podcast with your friends or even strangers, really. (laughs) So with that in mind, I hope you'll rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.